Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Virginia was the big one. Uh, the Tyrone McAuliffe was the governor. It was, should have been an easy race. Lost to Glenn Youngkin. <laughs> have you, nobody, Glenn Youngkin. It sounds like the scotch you buy at Costco. Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Youngkin. It was, that's what happened. It was, the big issue was critical race theory being taught in the schools. I think Democrats should study critical race theory, uh, which is the theory that it's critical to win races. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty good. I didn't see that coming. That race dissected so many different directions by people who care about it and just not enough attention paid to you shut down the schools for a year and a half. And then the guy running for governor said, parents have no business telling schools how they should be run. That's about as much as you need. Well, and having read a fair amount of it over the weekend, which, Jack, you plainly have as well, uh, exit polls and focus groups with moms specifically and dads, they're like, yeah, the CRT thing, I heard about that. A couple of them said, yeah, that bothered me. It was overwhelmingly. You closed the schools for a year and a half, even when it was safe. The teachers' unions demanded that. And then Terry McAuliffe closed, tries to close the deal. He campaigns the last two days of the campaign with Randy Weingartner from the evil, evil National Teachers Union. That made parents insane. That didn't get covered. No. No. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So the uh, on the other hand, and if you are a Republican and conservative, this is actually great news. It's not good for the country, but it's great for Republicans. You have editorials like this one in the uh, Washington Post by Jonathan Capehart. Winsome Sears, a black Republican winning in Virginia, doesn't roll out, rule out race as a big factor. And he goes into how Glenn Youngkin won, and his election was fueled by a campaign that used a boogeyman of critical race theory to tap into the grievances of white voters. It showed that fear worked. People use fear, political uh, pol- politicians use fear, racial fears for political gain, but it was all coded of dog whistle racism. And then he explains how they ginned up so much racial fear, the white supremacist idiot voters felt kind of good about also voting for a black woman. But that was actually in effect, not not of the fact that she's an incredibly impressive woman and we're lucky to have her in an office of authority. No, that has it all has to do with white supremacy. And I found myself as a conservative thinking, keep telling everybody that. Keep saying that. Keep writing that. For goodness sakes, put off as long as possible the realization of what actually happened in that race. Which, as we were discussing, was partly the pitting kids against each other by race, but partly just the the Democrat politicians slavish uh, following the dictates of the unions, the teachers union in specific. Um, And then finally this, I want to play this for you. This is on, and I'd like to apologize in advance. I'm going to inflict Brian Stelter of CNN on you. Reliable Sources is a show that's ostensibly about the media, but it's really just about uh, repeating the cliches of CNN and their political point of view. Um, but um, 
this uh, this gal was on. I don't have the names in front of me. I apologize. I always try to be ready for that, and I misplaced them. But this gal's out with a new book about how silly all this stuff is, and she had a commentary on how the left is misinterpreting the race in Virginia. And listen to the the pushback she gets. Uh, clip number sixty, Michael. So my, I felt that uh, Tuesday was a really good uh, advertisement for my book because my book is arguing that a lot of this conversation around wokeness is actually about class. Hmm. We are hiding a class divide in America. We are hiding the just disgusting levels of income inequality in America. We are hiding the total dispossession of the working class of all races by focusing on a very highly specialized academic language around race. Hmm. And I, I think what happened, you know, Glenn Youngkin's victory was a perfect example of this. The media's response to Youngkin's victory is literally the reason that he won, right? How did oh, they respond? There's a hundred media, a hundred reactions. You're you're being pretty overly generalizing, I think. Let me, let me get more specific okay. for you, okay? Because okay. I, I have to say, I have to admit, having watched CNN all week, there's been a lot of very, very, very good genuflection on this front. Um, but what happened right after the election was you saw host after host after host on MSNBC saying, oh, this is a victory for white supremacy, right? White supremacy wins again. Racism wins again when, you know, the lieutenant governor that Youngkin won with will be the first black woman to hold that job. When Glenn Youngkin managed to flip majority black districts, when he managed to get between 40 and 50 percent of Latino voters, are all of those people white supremacists? Of course they're not. They're people who are worried about, number one, the economy, right? And number two, schooling. And it seems to me it is such a self-own to tell people who are worried about the economy that that is white supremacy, right? Mm. You are essentially criminalizing the views of working class Americans. And you saw the same thing with the conversation around critical race theory, right? You saw all of these pundits being like, these people don't know what critical race theory is. That is not um, a political statement. That is a class statement. Hmm. They are not educated enough to be opposed to critical race theory. How dare they oppose it? Okay, I'm calling for this chick to shut up immediately because <laughs> she sp- she wrote out the how to win the next election or how to avoid losing the next election for the Democratic Party spelled out exactly what they got wrong and and of course the fat eunuch Brian Seltzer is uh, Seltzer or whatever his name is uh, is rejecting every bit of it mm, well f- that's a little general isn't it the fat eunuch yes he's well known to be a eunuch anyway I think she absolutely nailed it now she's uh, probably a lefty uh, Economically speaking, she, you know, is talking about the income inequality and class warfare. It's not inequality that matters. It's ability to uh, to aspire and to achieve that matters. As long as you have the opportunity to increase your income, to achieve what you want, this is a great country. Uh, income inequality is overrated as, a, as an issue. But I thought she just nailed that. What's a eunuch again? That's a uh, Jack in days of old, a, a king, a sultan would have uh, young boys neutered. Have their testicles oh, removed. Oh, jeez, I bet that was an unpleasant process. That eh, depended. They get them all drunk up. It's fine. Um, and then Barbaric! Uh, and then they would uh, put those lads in charge of various uh, aspects of the palace because they knew they wouldn't get with the queen or the princesses or whatever because they had no nards. And, uh, and they were generally not as aggressive, so they were more trustworthy. Wow. Yeah. Com- I considered it for the staff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's a that's an interesting practice. Is there a good book about that? I'd like to read up on that. How, oh, there how, probably are several. How prevalent was that? What a horrible thing to do. Um, 
I don't know. I've never been a eunuch, but uh, I don't. It seems you know, kind of relaxing in some ways. No, the the process of doing it though, pre anesthesia, just had to be brutal. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Although the way they do it with goats is that painful? You put a band around there, and then they just kind of they don't seem to mind mind that much. There you go. They walk there around. They walk around until they fall off. Yeah, yeah. But again, just in general, to sum it up, keep telling voters they're wrong and stupid about their most careful or closely held concerns. Yeah, see how that works for you. Yeah, super. You know what's hot right now? Art and tattoos. That's two of the things that are hot right now. Also, 60-year anniversary of something major. Some uh, info on this 60-year anniversary that I think will blow your mind, which is a really good pun if you knew what the story was. That's all on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. People can talk all they want, but at the end of the day, my record is still 7-1. Meaning, of the eight people I've infected, seven are fine. Wow! That is a portrayal of uh, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers who didn't get vaccinated and making a joke about how deadly he has been to people because he uh, got the COVID now. Aaron Rodgers, who didn't get to play yesterday and the Green Bay Packers, lost. To the shockingly sucky Kansas City Chiefs. What happened there? Yeah, but um, I don't know. How do y'all feel about that? Like, if you're pro, you're anti-mandate, but you're a Green Bay Packers fan, are you happy that your uh, your your best player decided not to get the vaccine and can't play? I don't. Know. I don't think about this stuff much, but some of you do. Um, you know what's hot right now? A couple things that are really really hot. Art is crazy hot, selling for fifteen times the asking price. Some of your big art, for whatever reason, art is having a moment. Like super high end auctiony art, you mean? Super high end auctiony art, yeah. Hmm. You know your, hmm. your 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 expensive stuff, stuff that makes the papers. Yeah, I'm thinking it has to do with uh, various all this talk about taxes and wealth taxes and all this different stuff. I think that's what's driving it, but they don't come to any conclusions. But art is hot, right? Could should be a bubble like anything else. Um, it happens. Also, tattoos are hot. I've noticed there was a huge pent up demand. I guess during the COVID lockdown for tattoos, or there was just, a, they quote somebody here who said, I just have more of a feeling that life is short and I, you know, I don't want to not do things I've been thinking about for years. So people have been always wanting a tattoo or finally getting them. But anyway, tattoo parlors are bursting at the seams all across America. We got an email from a uh, beloved listener whose daughter got a tattoo that said, This too shall pass. And they thought that was very ironic since a tattoo funny. is permanent. That's yes. pretty funny. Indeed. So you're thinking it's a good idea to have a tattoo. May also pass. <laughs> mm. Is the problem. That is the issue there. I mentioned it's a 60-year anniversary of something that you may have missed. I'm super into this stuff. I hope I can present it in an interesting fashion for you. Uh, last weekend was the 60-year anniversary of the Soviet Union detonating the most powerful weapon that has ever been detonated. The only times anybody's ever actually used nuclear weapons, we all know Hiroshima and Nagasaki, August 1945, we obliterated Japan, ended World War II. But then the uh, the race started for more powerful weapons. And I, I the reason I like talking about this is I don't think the average person realizes that when we're talking about nukes, 
Big story last weekend that uh, that uh, China is screaming for toward a thousand nukes by the end of this decade. The nukes that we talk about today are nothing compared to what we dropped on Hiroshima in Japan. Nothing. They're so much more powerful. The the bomb that the Soviet Union detonated 60 years ago this last weekend in a test, they did it out in the desert, was over 3,000 times more powerful than the one we dropped on Hiroshima. 3,000 times! Can't even imagine. It is It is literally unimaginable. And it's almost unimaginable for scientists. Nobody really knows what would happen if one of those got dropped on an urban area, on a city. What the fallout would be, if you'll pardon the expression. Yeah, and what would the effects be out 100 miles, 1,000, 10,000 oh, yeah. around the globe? So there's a new book out called Two Days in June, John F. Kennedy and the 48 Hours That Made History, in which... John F. Kennedy had to make a decision on how we're going to respond to that Soviet test. Are we going to try to match them, et cetera, et cetera. But it goes on to talk about that that bomb was called the Tsar Bomba, the Tsar's bomb. It was actually set off. We were working on bombs that were considerably bigger than that one. We had a bomb that was going to be ready to go if we wanted to test it that would be 20 times as powerful as that Russian bomb. And so 600,000 times to Hiroshima? And we, had another Too many zeros. One, and we had another one in the works that we thought we'd have ready in the early 60s, 200 times as destructive as the Russian bomb that was so much more destructive than... I mean, so right. the, the whole point here, and this is the point, that the numbers get silly. And we had... Um, uh, scientists saying there's no way that the lethal radioactivity could be contained within the confines of an enemy state. In other words, the bomb and the radiation is so powerful, sure, you'll obliterate Moscow, but all of Europe will pay a price. Or sure, you'll obl- obliterate you know New York City, but all of Canada and Mexico, and who knows, maybe it blows on to China. I mean, nobody knows what will happen if we ever set off these kind of bombs. And it, w- both sides seem to actually kind of scare each other into a, eh, we better not do this, at least for the time being. Right, right. Uh, not to mention the other, I mean, the inevitability of r- retaliation. I mean, you got that. Right. I, I don't... Uh, The ability to completely destroy the planet absolutely exists in the hands of the United States, Russia, China, certainly. And uh, I hope that the Chinese love their children, too. I I try not to think about it. Those numbers are extraordinary. Yes, they're unimaginable. So clearly you could completely obliterate all of Los Angeles, like the whole thing. Everything oh, yeah. gone. Every Probably man, woman, child a, dead. Half of San Diego and, and, and the south side of Bakersfield. Every every living thing dead, every building in rubble. Right. With one bomb, quite easily. Right. That's what's at stake when we're talking about these military exercises or these bombs or these negotiations and diplomacy with countries like Russia and China. That's what's at stake. Yeah, I've always pointed out, though, that there have been many, many armed conflicts around the world uh, in which nuclear powers participate, and we haven't unleashed the nukes. Yep. Not yet. It's just a bridge too far, I, thus far. I hope it stays that way. That's yeah. absolutely unbelievable. I'd rather not be obliterated. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'd know it or feel it if you're in the, uh, you know, in the area where the bomb hit. Yeah. Well, but if you're not, you know. Nuclear winter, radiation, 
Cormac McCarthy novels being reenacted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're on the road. You got zombies, cannibalism. Holy crap. Uh, Holy we probably, crap is right. We probably should get into the, the Big Bird Sesame Street controversy. Oh, it's so stupid. Big, really? Big Bird's pushing for the, well, the, the, I was about to say Twitter was all aghast, but I was making the point last week that Twitter's not the real world, and it's not. Twitter woke up aghast. Yeah. As always. That's what Twitter does. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff that's in the big infrastructure package that passed over the weekend, we probably should have been mentioning that more often because a lot of you are not political junkies and good for you. But the one and a half trillion dollar infrastructure package did pass with the help of Republicans wouldn't have passed if only Democrats had voted for it. But enough Republicans went along with it that it passed. Yep, yep. I've got a good little roster of what exactly they passed and how it's likely to affect your life at some point. Uh, also, uh, CNN complains that Fox is giving into conspiracy theories, Fox News. That's hilarious. That was your entire programming for the Trump presidency. But irony is dead. A couple of Kenyans won the New York Marathon over the what weekend. What now? Really? Yeah. How lovely Obama! For that. Kenyan man and a Kenyan woman. <laughs> Born in Hawaii, <laughs> Hank. <laughs> Michael, that's one of your greatest hits. <laughs> oh, my God. What is it with the Kenyans? Huh? How They're come... skinny and they run fast. Well, what do you mean, yeah, what is but, it with But them? it's been true for like 30 years. How come other countries haven't been able to catch up to them? Because they're not Kenyans. It's just, it's just it's the, the, the humans that live there have certain physical characteristics that make them good marathoners. Does this... It's obvious. It's self-evident. If you miss an hour, get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You don't want to get into Ted Cruz taking on Big Bird in the culture wars? All, all of the culture wars are making my uh, hind end tired. Whether it's Ted Cruz versus Big Bird or Aaron Rodgers versus whoever or whatever, just everything becomes a culture war. Everything. Of course, both yeah, of those happen but, to be around the vaccination. But. You know, I'm afraid if we don't uh, you know, hold up our end of the fight, uh, we'll be washed over, we'll be invaded. The Wolksheviks will win the day. What did Big Bird say? Get the vaccine? Yeah, essentially. I just, uh, one of the gals on the show told me, I've been getting vaccines since I was a little bird. They're great. So get it. Get the jab, kids. Big Bird says, get the jab. All right. I remember when he taught me to count. He, he really didn't practice medicine back during my childhood. In Spanish? Taught you to count in Spanish? Yeah, big maybe. Thing. I don't think so. Uh, so... I actually have some stats on how the vast majority of people don't pay that much attention to politics and are not that partisan. The vast majority of people. I've got some interesting stats on that. Get them on Um, Twitter. That'll straighten them out. They'll hate everybody by noon. (laughs) So keeping that in mind, a lot of you hopefully didn't follow the politics over the weekend about the uh, $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill finally passing bipartisan. You had, uh, what, 13 Republicans join in with the Democrats to get it passed. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that legit we've probably been needing to do for a long time. But there's also a whole bunch of crap in there that doesn't need to be in there. 
And mm. by the way, only half of it's paid for. The other half we're borrowing, adding to the Great. debt. Well, we don't have much debt, so it's okay. We're practically debt-free as a country. Here's Steve Ratner, financial guru on MSNBC, pointing out some of the crap that's in there. There are things in there that were done in order to get a majority of the Senate initially on board. There's a billion and a quarter dollars in there for ferries in Alaska. Mm. There's five or six hundred million dollars in there for a railroad from Minneapolis to Duluth. I don't know how many people Mm. want to go by train from Minneapolis to Duluth. There's money in there for uh, high-speed rail that California's been trying to build for more than a decade through the Central Valley that nobody's ever going to take from anywhere to anywhere. Mm. So we do have to be really careful. You remember in the Obama administration, they passed over 800 billion, and there were questions after about how well that money was spent. And so the, the, it's great to pass it, but now we got to spend it the right way and get the benefits, show that you just talked about. Yeah, $800 billion during the Obama administration that made everybody on the right go nuts, created a whole new party, the Tea Party, briefly, because it was so crazy to spend $800 billion. Now we spend twice that and barely even makes the news. I mean, it just, no, nobody even cares. And, and by the way, as a guy who lives in California, and we've been trying to kill this bullet train thing forever, billions and billions and billions of dollars, you could spend on whatever the hell you want. Homes for the homeless, or uh, you know, pre-K for two-year-olds, or whatever the hell you want to spend it on. Just getting wasted on the train. Even the lefty MSNBC financial guy said, ain't nobody ever going to ride that train anywhere. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> merely a cash spigot. God dang it. It's unbelievable that that can happen. The the way government wastes your hard-earned money. It's Monday. How many of you were excited to go to work today? Actually, I kind of am because I like my job. But even so, I like to keep my money. It's amazing how, how frivolously they throw around our money. Thanks for taking my money. And gotta point out, we the people have the power to stop them from doing that, but we don't because we just don't pay attention. Anyway, back to you, Joe. And or they have successfully narrowed the tax base enough that most people don't feel like it's coming from them. They feel like it's the quote unquote rich getting hammered. Um, you know, and, and there are so many effects to us. Uh, Judy and I were discussing a couple of charitable enterprises that we uh, support and how much to give. And I just kept thinking if the government hadn't snatched up a huge percentage of what I make for the last, you know, 25 years, I would be giving so much more to charities that are incredibly efficient and responsible with the money that they get. Unlike the federal government, which could not be less responsible. I was just reading New York's combined city and state tax, if you're in the wealthy bracket, is 15% now. So combined city and state, the top tier 15% on top of what you pay for, uh, you know, federal. your federal taxes. Yeah. Isn't that something? Well, that's, well, the California top uh, marginal tax yeah. rate's 14.1, oh, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Something yeah. like that? I yeah. can't even remember. Whole state? Yeah. Uh, so what is in the giant uh, porculous bill? And it is ironic with bacon as expensive as it is that Washington, D.C. is handing out pork uh, by the millions of metric tons, including the idiot bullet train and the hotly needed, you know, expressed Duluth. But uh, so what is the bill going to affect? How we commute. It stands to improve commuting across the U.S. in cities big and small, whether people travel to work by car, yes, public transit, in rare cases, or bicycle. Writes, of course, the, well, this is the Wall Street Journal, oddly enough, and they mentioned that uh, an estimated $226 billion in new funding will go to transportation projects, such as light rail extensions. 
redesigned intersections, okay, and protected bike lanes, which are protected empty lanes in 90% of American cities. Right. Um, let's see. They talk about station improvements for choo-choo trains and that sort of thing. Most people don't ride trains. Most, and by most, I mean practically everybody. Practically nobody rides trains. Practically nobody bikes to work. Well, they are dedicating $66 billion for railway expansion and upgrades, including to Amtrak, $30 billion of it in the Northeast Corridor, which is the only place anybody rides Amtrak. So, you know, that's good. Got $25 billion to airport renovations. Um, let's see. If, uh, that's kind of drilling down into that, and who cares? Uh, what cars we buy. The bill proposes $7.5 billion for nationwide fast-charging stations to fill gaps in the patchwork of electric vehicle chargers across the U.S. Build it, and they will come. Another $5 billion dedicated to replacing buses with zero-emission vehicles, including electrical school buses, electric school buses. There are going to be electric charging stations in the middle of Nebraska that don't charge one car a year. Yes. Yeah, there will. Uh, but the company that installed them will get paid. They will get paid, babe, by the uh, by the taxpayers. Projects focused on freight will get more attention in the coming years. Oh, da, 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 da. They're talking about uh, freight for a rail for freight, rather, which is real infrastructure. Now, the question always is, who's going to get the money? What are they going to be? What are they going to do with it? And how efficiently will it be spent? And that's, you know, the answers are almost always uh, uh, disappointing. But the idea that we need to improve our freight transportation systems, that's sound. That's fine. That's the good part of the infrastructure bill as far as I'm concerned. Now, this this next part is getting more and more interesting. As Jack pointed out earlier, 5G on your phone is coming. 5G means over the air, not not Wi-Fi, not hardwired, nothing. Just standing there in the street with your cell phone on, you can download a a movie in a blink of an eye. So do we really need uh, fiber optic cable cable to every town of 2,500 people in America? I don't know. At a cost of uh, tens of billions of dollars. Uh, this uh, this this could so easily be, and I understand why internet service is so important these days, and how it's pretty much a public utility in a way. Uh, you know, and let's not go down that rabbit hole because it's it's a deep one. There are many rabbits in it, but um, <laughs> if it turns out we hardwire America for internet at the precise yep, moment exactly. it comes to us through the air so fast we can't even use it. That'd be about perfect, wouldn't it? That's what Elon Musk was uh, saying last year. What does he know about tech? $42.5 billion program to expand access to high-speed networks, which are soon going to be going through the air. Yep. Okay. If you know more about it, feel free to text us to text line 415-295-KFTC. Where are we wrong? Or tech heads, if, you're, uh, if you prefer to swing in the direction of email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. This, this all works so much better when it's, when it's uh, driven by demand, because then the free market gets involved in you know, what stations where. For instance, gas stations and gas pumps, you know, Standard Oil or, or whoever at the time put those in place because there was money to be made because the car craze was taken off. Um, and they would put them, you know, in places where people are driving more cars. You'd put more gas stations, and, and it was all profit-driven, as opposed to this tail wagging the dog reverse 
way of we're going to put the gas stations there and hope that makes people want to drive cars. Right. Right, exactly. And just a quick note on the green stuff. Some of it is fanciful. It is Solyndra. It is wasting money. It is handing out uh, taxpayers stolen from you or borrowed from your grandchildren to cronies. Some of it, I think, is pretty reasonable because it is what I've said it is, what it should be. Look, if if the the uh, the climate is warming and there are going to be more floods and stuff, Put stuff on the hills, uh, on stilts rather, or build flood walls, or deal with it. We're not going to be able to stop it because China and India don't give a damn. They're increasing their emissions. Let's figure out, okay, what do we need to do to mitigate it? And then we'll uh, keep on keeping on instead of you know throwing zillions of dollars at fanciful schemes to you know to, to, to prevent it from happening. Uh, my favorite guy since the beginning of the pandemic, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, says this thing is almost over. We should mention that coming up because that's some good news. After a whole bunch of bitching and complaining, maybe some good news. Something. Yes, please. Um, I wanted to hit you with this since we were just talking about greenness and saving money there and everything like that. Washington Post over the weekend. You know, they get the big climate conference going on over there in Glasgow, Scotland. Country's climate pledges built on flawed data. Flawed data post-investigation finds. They looked into 196 country reports, dug into them, and found that they were um, exaggerating by between 16 and 23% how much they were actually doing. Mm, countries all around, Yeah, shocking. Shocking. They were lying about how much they're actually doing. Hilarious. Actually, it's not hilarious. It makes you want to cry or scream or break something or throw something. Or vote for folks who won't drain your uh, your paycheck of, of your hard-earned income for taxes for crap. But Gottlieb says the pandemic is almost over, like real soon. Tell Woo-hoo. you about that next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I feel like we discovered him because uh, we had him do uh, the Trump voice and played it for you long before Saturday Night Live caught on to James Austin Johnson, and we paid him to do a funny thing for for Sean before Sean left, but he debuted his Trump on Saturday Night Live this past Saturday night to uh, great critical acclaim. Here's a little of it. Glenn is a wonderful guy, but these PC folks, oh my gosh, the awful PC police, they don't like him. They don't like him at all. You know what? Could I get 60 more seconds, please? Because <laughs> the PC folks, they don't like anything. These PC folks, you can't please them at all. They don't even like Chris Pratt as Mario. And you know what? I'm very close with Mario. Very close with Luigi. You know, our wives play golf together. They play Mario golf together, and Peach is a very close friend of mine. Peach is at it hard, but Peach is so great. And with the toads, by the way, I do great with the toads. I do great. You know the little mushroom people, the toad people? A lot of them came out the last election. And the toads love Chris Pratt. The toads love Chris Pratt. And as Mario is going to do a lot better than that awful Eternals movie. I'll tell you that. It's a lot better than Eternals. You know what? With the turtles, it was too diverse. It was too diverse, and no one wants to see that. The movie's rotten. Just ask the tomatoes. Just ask the tomatoes. It's rotten. And you can't even get tomatoes anymore because of this awful shipping nightmare that we've got with slow Joe Biden, okay? And you know what? This is true. This is true. Glenn, excuse me. Glenn, excuse me. 
this is true. You know, a guy came up to me the other day, big guy, bigger than anything, tears in his eyes, and he says, he said to me, sir, my name is Santa Claus, and Christmas is canceled. Christmas is canceled, sir. And I said, we're not going to let that happen, Santa. And that's why I asked him to give Virginia to Glenn Youngkin. I asked him to give that is an unbelievable impersonation. I but, wonder why it took that long to debut it. I, I think they wanted to make sure he was comfortable enough because he does that stuff more or less ad libby. You know, he, he just uh, does it. It's uh, not scripted. Now, as a longtime viewer of Saturday Night Live, I feel like they're trying to make a pivot back to what they used to be. And they're trying to wean themselves off of this political stuff. Because ah. they got lots and lots of sketches that are like the old days. They're just something funny that has nothing to do with the news of the day. And uh, I think they're trying to get back to that. But anyway, a different topic. Back to politics. I just I, I, I heard some people talk about this over the weekend, and I thought it was true. Um, for people who, 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 who said, you know, are getting into the... Trump's role in the Virginia election and, uh, you know, what's this mean for other Republicans or whatever? And Trump didn't play a role. He did play a role. He played a major role in that he chose not to interject himself into this thing, which hmm. is not the sort of restraint he's normally known for. The dog that didn't bark in the night. He is the dog that didn't bark, and that's not getting enough attention. Uh, he clearly made the calculation that it would be better if he didn't show up there or make a lot of comments about the election before it happened. Or he had a tea time. I, I didn't. Know. Maybe I didn't, he was busy. I didn't know this. There were planes flying over Mar-a-Lago mocking him for not going to Virginia, trying to urge him on. The whole point of when Biden oh. went to Virginia a week and a half ago and said, Trump, tr- Trump this, Trump that, Trump did this, they were trying to bait Trumping to going to Virginia because they believed... Trump comes here, Yunkin asked to stand next to him, we win. And Trump didn't take the bait. There were actually planes flying around Mar-a-Lago saying, you don't have the guts to go to Virginia and stuff like that. Wow. Trying to bait him into going. Wow. And he didn't take the bait. That's like a quadruple reverse strategy there. Yeah, so he, he, he clearly decided, I will do more harm than good if I go to Virginia, which is not oh. like him. I'm I'm more uh, convinced than ever that he's not going to run. Uh, uh, Sarah Isger of the Dispatch said on ABC this week yesterday, it's 99% likely that Trump runs. Uh, it's a shame to see such a lovely and intelligent woman so wrong. And the other pundits on the show said, oh, yeah, it's 100% he's running, unless yeah. something major changes. Well, they're wrong. I'm right. And, and we'll all find out together I don't in the days any, to come. I don't have any idea. I, I think that's... I think it's amazing that people are saying it's 99% or 100% likely he's going to run. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, he's a long way Oh, that's right. You wanted to get to the Scott Gottlieb stuff, because I had some more Trump stuff, but he was talking to Fox News about when he might run. He said he'll he'll probably wait till after the midterms to even talk about it. But he said there are a lot of great Republicans who might run. They've all respected me. They say they won't run if I run. That's great. But we got a lot of good folks. So, um, yeah, I wanted to mention this. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who has been the, the most right person about the pandemic since it's first started, in my mind, is saying it's going to be over soon. One of the reasons he was talking about it is you got the whole January 4th mandate for employers that a court struck down over the weekend said, hey, hey, I'm not sure you can do that. I'm mm-hmm. not sure you can make companies get everybody vaccinated, federal government. 
Take it easy. But that aside, Gottlieb said, I think it's going to be over by January 4th. It's not going to make any difference. He says the pandemic is going to be an endemic by January 4th. We are in the final weeks of this pandemic. Sure, not even two months. I sure hope he's right. Yeah, me too. Now, endemic means it'll still be around and and kill people, you know, now and again. But but I assume that means we're not wearing masks all the time and kids aren't wearing masks at school. Does it mean that? It ought to. It certainly ought to. Will kids be wearing masks at like a lot of schools like my school for years to come? In in blue areas, yes, possibly, because of those weird cultish reasons we've been describing. But I was interested that uh, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly, who's a Democrat, came out against Biden's vaccine mandate, said it's it's you know not effective, not appropriate. It's not the uh, the solution for Kansas. And she said she's quite correct. States have been leading the fight against COVID-19 from the start of the pandemic. It's too late to impose a federal standard now that we've already developed systems and strategies that are tailored for our specific needs. That is unquestionably true. That's Plus, a good answer. We could play for you again the cavalcade of quotes we have from Biden and the lunkhead Harris and various Democrats saying no national vaccine, no mandates, no, certainly no federal mandates. That would be inappropriate. That No, no, you will not see federal mandates. They said that for months and months and months. Yeah, so it might not be constitutional and, according to Dr. Gottlieb, just not needed because the pandemic's going to be over. So doing something unnecessary and unconstitutional. Uh-oh, that's kind of what they do. Awesome. Hey, if you miss an hour, you can go to armstrongandgetty.com and grab the podcast. Or if you need some Let's Go Brandon gear or Armstrong and Getty gear, and we got hats and hoodies and T-shirts and all kinds of different stuff, you can get that at armstrongandgetty.com also. Order now in time for Christmas. Armstrong and Getty.